We love that we get to record the Sewing Club podcast on Turrbal and Yagora country. We pay our respects to their elders past and present. Hello and welcome to the Sewing Club podcast. It's like a book club, but for sewing. I'm Kylie from Kylie and the Machine. And I'm Gemma from Sewing Gem. Welcome. Today's episode is about the Chloe Bioskirt from Soften Studio. Yeah, we're really excited to uh, get into this one because it's such a good wardrobe staple. Yes, I've really enjoyed this one. But what have you been up to, Gemma? Um, yeah, what have I been up to? Well, we're getting ready for our Valentine's sale at the time of recording this. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, lots of restocking of items, you know, after the break. And just, yeah, getting back into our flow, really, at Sewing Gem. Yes, I feel that it was a bit of a slow start of 2024, hard to get off off the ground. And we're preparing for a bunch of new releases. I've been doing a lot of sewing for work, sewing labels into multiple garments and it's been great. I think it's always a, uh, you know, a, a key moment when the kids, you wave the kids back off to school and then you mm. can really throw yourself back into Yes, them. definitely. <laughs> I, I'm enjoying being back into the normal rhythm of yeah. things and um, we can get our head back in the game and we can think clearly. We all love a bit of routine, let's be honest. Yes, definitely. (laughs) I crave it. Um, Oh, so we did get some feedback and we do have a feedback form which you can access uh, via our link tree in our Instagram and this feedback is from Laura in Washington and she has a very good point. Um, She had a tougher time with the jumpsuit than indicated by our difficulty rating. Because we used uh, cotton and cotton linen and we rated the pattern based on our experiences sewing with that fabric. And we should mention that if you do choose a different fabric to what we've chosen, like a viscose or a silk or a rayon, that's something very shifty, that's going to increase the difficulty. So that's something to keep in mind. It's a really excellent point. You know, I think we were rating it based on what we'd used. But yeah, the the difficulty can change hugely based on the fabric that you pick. And, Mm. you know, those sort of like slinky versions of the Zadie jumpsuit look amazing, but it's definitely going to be much harder to to sew together. And I think that's uh, an important point to make for, for all patterns and something that we will be talking about when we do our ratings. So I think going forward, we plan to rate the pattern based on the fabric that one, the pattern designer um, suggests, what we've also chosen to to make it from. But also we might add in there, you know, if you did make it out of X, Y, Z, then you might find that it's, you know, it's harder or it's, it might even be easier, I suppose. So it's, it's a really good point. Fabric choice is everything because it's going to change the look of the overall garment, but it's also going to change your experience with sewing. And I guess that's about, you know, knowing your fabric and knowing your, your ability and, and, and also testing yourself as well and being kind if things are difficult. I think it's one of the hardest things, fabric choices. And when I think back to failed garments that I've had, I think often it is just picking the wrong fabric. You know, you finish making it and you look at it and you go, I really like the design, but the fabric's not quite right. It's not falling in the way that I wanted it to, or I don't know, it's just not got enough drape. And the more you sew, the more you get better at picking the fabrics I suppose but um yeah I think it's something that we should definitely uh, try and talk about a bit more on the podcast and um yeah and try and help our beginner sewers I guess make those good fabric choices Mm, mm. um yeah anything like a rayon or anything twill 
I personally, every time I've sewed with anything twill, I have almost pulled out my hair and regretted yeah. regretted my decision. <laughs> Putting it politely, I <laughs> <Yeah>. think. <laughs> Swear words, <laughs> etc. <laughs> and yeah, and that's why, you know, a lot of things I make are linen because yeah. you uh, it's our it's our climate and also we know how it behaves. It, it behaves very well. You enjoy nicely. the process. Yes, more. exactly. And I think shiny fabric is another obvious one. And you can feel when you rub the two um, you know, two bits of the fabric together, you get a feel of, of how well it's going to, to sit together and I think those really shiny fabrics or fabrics that fray a lot that's another one like mm-hmm. I've had nightmares with fabrics that just sort of fray you know before your eyes <laughs> yeah wait till you hear my experience with the skirt that okay. I saw. <laughs> we're looking forward to that <laughs> So this month's pattern is the Chloe Bias Skirt by Soften Studio. Carly, tell us about the pattern. Okay, well, the Chloe Bias Skirt is a midi or full-length skirt that has an A-line shape, an elasticated waistband with top stitching and a self-tie drawstring. And it is cut on the bias. So what is the bias? It means that you cut the skirt on a diagonal to the selvage instead of cutting parallel to the selvage because this way the fabric actually stretches and molds to your body. So while there is no shaping like darts, the skirt will shape to your body and that's what makes a bias skirt very special. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know, you know, I'm sure most of our listeners are familiar with what being on the bias or cut on the bias means. But if you're not, I would really recommend actually getting a piece of fabric and getting your two fingers in from your two hands and pulling um, parallel to the selvage and seeing how much sort of stretch you get in the fabric and then perpendicular to the selvage and seeing again how much stretch you get and then again on the diagonal and what you'll find is that fabric will just really pull way more on the bias and that's what you're effectively creating by cutting the pieces on the bias you're getting more of a and I wouldn't say elastic but it just drapes better and falls over your body yes and it is an easy fitting garment it's an everyday garment but could be dressed up too I would say definitely yeah depending again we come back to fabric choice because it you know it really changes any garment um but yeah that I put it on after making it and I went I think I need one for every day of the week this is amazing I could see myself living in this skirt you know it's yes. a it's a great it's a great pattern oh I love it too and the way that Melody from Soften Studio has really showcased her patterns and how she's styled everything it has a a very nice aesthetic and there's a lot of well pretty much all natural fibers linens and she's really kind of showing the community hey a bias skirt can be an everyday garment you can make it with everyday fabrics you can make it with hard wearing fabrics not all evening wear and slinky fabrics you can use linens you can use cottons and I think that that in itself is something really different about this bias skirt to others that I've seen. Yeah, I agree with that. It's, yeah, it's got an everyday feel. And I think maybe that's because of the waistband yes. to an extent. But again, obviously the fabric choice makes it makes a huge difference. And I love the fact that she's finished it with French seams as well. Yes. Um, you know, that gives it that really sort of like professional finish on the inside, really nice and neat. And yeah, and a nice rolled hem at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's a great pattern. 
Yeah, so deceptively simple looking. (laughs) (laughs) There's only a couple of pattern pieces, but there is a lot of technique involved and that's why we are ready to get deep into this one because there's lots to talk about. I think lots to learn as well. You know, if you've not done French seams before, you've not done a rolled hem, you've um, not perhaps cut something on the Mm. bias, it's a perfect pattern for testing a few of those things for the first time. So we spoke to Melody from Soften Studio. She's based in Adelaide, Australia. She used to be from Brisbane. And she has a unique way of choosing names for her patterns. So the name Soften Studio, before I was doing Soften Studio, what I'm doing now, I had a label. So I would create garments made to order. And on the description, when I listed that item, whether it was like a dress or whatever it was that I was making, I would put my description of like the sleeves or just the overall description of the garment. But then I always had a line at the end that I like to write, which was this garment will soften beautifully with time and wear because all of the garments I was making, I used to make them out of natural fibers, like a lot of linen um, and things like that. So yeah, that was like the, the word soften was from that little line that I used to write. So at that point I was designing things under my own name. And then when it came to starting something new, which was Soften Studio now. I liked the word soften and I feel like it was obscure, but it also related to textiles and it reminded me of well-made and well-loved pieces of clothing. So yeah, it kind of stuck, Soften Studio. Um, where did the name Clo come from? Is What is it? Who is it? Tell us <laughs> more about that. <laughs> so Clo is just a name that I came up with for the bias skirt. And you may have noticed or may not have noticed that I have a bit of a thing for three-letter names. (laughs) All my patterns are three-letter names, and I just really liked the name Chloe. And on my notes app in my phone, I have a list, two lists that I uh, always adding to. One is pattern name ideas, and the other one is future children names. (laughs) And I'm always just... (laughs) Yeah, I'm always just like really observant and keeping an ear out for names that I like and Chloe was just one of them that I really liked. Oh, I really love that story and I really love the name. And did you know that this pattern almost didn't even make it into the world? Can you imagine? This pattern had not made it into the world. <laughs> we would be, be so sad. <laughs> well, we wouldn't so know, sad. but it we would be sad. Know, but it would be very sad. <laughs> I actually nearly didn't release it because I thought, There are other bias patterns out there. And I was talking to my husband about it, Chris, and he was just saying, yeah, but there's not your bias skirt pattern out there. And the way that I made it was the way that I like to wear it with an elastic waist because it was comfortable. It's a little bit wider. It's not as like slim and fitted as some other bias skirts typically are. And I imagined when I was designing it initially, to be made in linen, which is more of like an everyday kind of fabric. So, yeah, he kind of encouraged me to just put it out anyway because it still had these like small points of differences that that I liked. And it's amazing that it, yeah, has been the bestseller. So it's pretty cool. (laughs) So the suggested fabrics for this pattern are mid-weight fabrics, linen, wool, cotton, silk, 
and rayon. And we asked Melody which fabrics would not be a good choice for this pattern. There's a lot of different fabrics you can use, but I wouldn't recommend like really heavy fabrics like denims or things that don't have any drape to them. I would err on the side of caution if you're a beginner sewer with sewing the cuprose and the viscose and the silks, they can be a little bit more tricky to cut out. But in saying that, it the pattern does work for them if you feel a bit more confident um, with the cutting. But yeah, mainly just choosing fabrics that have a little bit of a drape to it, whether it's linens, cottons, silks, viscose, they all work really well. Things that have that are quite heavy or don't have much drape, they won't give you that same kind of beautiful like fall and drape of, of the dress. They'll, they'll sit a little bit more stiff. Something to keep in mind when you're sewing this pattern is that some patterns have a seam allowance that is applicable to every seam in the garment and some have different seam allowances for different parts of the garment and this pattern has that. It has five-eighths or one and a half centimetres on the side and one centimetre or three-eighths for the waistband and there's a real reason for that and it is to give the garment a very nice finish with French seams on the side seams. Yeah, but it's easy to forget. So you've got to make sure you hold that in your head when you're sewing, right, Kylie? Because you don't want to forget and sew your waistband with a 1.5 centimetre seam because no. you'll be in trouble. <laughs> well, your elastic wouldn't fit. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> or if you sewed the side seam by accident with a one centimetre seam allowance, I suppose that wouldn't be so bad. You're just getting an extra... Cent so two centimetres, yeah, but centimeters. then with the stretchiness of it, I don't And would know. your waistband fit? I don't know. Uh, you'd probably have to like jimmy it in yeah, there. Yeah, you would. <laughs> get some steam. Just yes. remember your seam allowances yes. is probably the best way to do it. It's, it's fixable, but if you can, remember your seam allowances. Exactly. There is a lot of instructions in the printed book about, about cutting because cutting on the bias is a new skill and it is a little bit more tricky. So taking your time. And it has to actually be on the bias, so the 45 degree angle, like not almost on the 45 degree to get, to get, you need to find that true bias. And um, Melody has created some resources to make it really easy for people that maybe aren't sure what they're doing around that. My biggest tip for the clove bias skirt would be to slow down the cutting process because once you've cut the garment, the construction is relatively straightforward. And I have a YouTube tutorial actually that I created for the clove skirt of how I cut it and also how to sew it. Um, so I show in the tutorial of how to make sure that the pattern is on the true bias by measuring the distance between the selvage and the grain line. So I find that if you slow down your cutting process and yeah, you just, you know that it's on the true bias, you cut it everything else will will flow quite seamlessly. So yeah, that's really great for those beginners. I have a quick tip with my linen version and cutting things on the bias is that I washed my linen and I hung it up and it was a really hot day and basically I took the fabric off the line and it was like cardboard crispy because of our uh, very hot days that we've had and I thought this is actually better than starch and it was so easy to cut because it was like cardboard. Mm. And that led me to think, well, if you did have another fabric that was more slinky, you could use a starch. And that would actually 
keep it fairly stable for the cutting process. And the cutting process is the most important part of this. And that will actually help in the sewing process as well. But definitely fabric choice is going to change the experience very much. But there are things as well you can do when it comes to fabric choice that are going to make it a little bit easier for those sort of slippery fabrics. And I would say, again, coming back to starch, things like the waistband, um, you know, if test it on a little bit first because you want to make sure that the fabric's going to be okay with it. But then, you know, if it is, give the waistband a really good spray and a really good press with the starch and it will just be slightly firmer and easier to work with and stay in place. I find just reducing my stitch length slightly with a slinky fabric really helps. And I always take a test piece and I stitch on it and I look to see which stitches look best I sometimes occasionally, if it's really slinky, I have been known to put a a piece of tissue paper Mm. underneath to kind of give it something to to grip to. And that also definitely helps. And, you know, slow cutting, a rotary cutter, I do find, is really good for those fabrics that you don't want to shift or move too much. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you heard of this gelatin method? Is this like a thing that you use for machine embroidery? And it sets the fabric because I've heard of yeah. that, but you tell me more about People your method. People are doing it for specifically like slinky fabrics. You know, they they make a gelatin mixture and oh. I don't know what the ratio is. You're going to have to Google it. But yeah. then they dip the fabric in that solution and then lay it out and flatten it or iron it or something and it basically is a starch that is food safe and then it can wash out. Amazing. So I, I've not done that before, but I imagine that that would be helpful. I've ha- I have a product that sounds really similar to that, which is for machine embroidery. And mm-hmm. you can literally, you put it in the water with the product and then you let it dry and it dries like much like you describe. But this sounds the same and potentially cheaper too. Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, one of those ta- like those tips from, you know, the grandmas that, you know, all these products weren't available. available. So, yeah, I mean... I definitely think that if you're if it's the first one you're making, try it with a linen or a cotton, something stable, and then venture out into something yeah. a little more slinky. And also, if you are using a difficult fabric, take a bit of time to give your machine some love at the beginning as well. You know, make sure the bobbin is wound. You've got a, you know, a, a, you know, not, you're not right at the end of your spool of thread. You've maybe got a Microtex needle in there. You've got, you know, everything set up, ready to go. Maybe you'll even give it a little bit of oil, you know, mm-hmm. whatever or whatever your machine needs and test it on some scrap. Don't just go straight into your cut piece, which I know perhaps sounds like an obvious thing, but it's, you're so keen to get going sometimes. It's easy to forget that. And you just want to test that everything is, working and it's going to look like you want it to. And test all the different feet that you have available because um, a walking foot might be better for your chosen fabric and for another type of fabric it might be best to just use the regular presser foot and that's a you know getting the scraps and Mm. testing them sewing on the bias. And as for the scraps I should say when you do have a bias cut garment you're going to get more waste than if it was cut on the straight grain but It's not all waste because you can actually cut those scraps into strips and make bias. And then I actually have a box that sits on my shelf and it's just like any bits of bias that I've made that I haven't used or if I've cut some strips and then I see that there's more and there's not enough to use for something else, I'll just cut lots of strips and make lots of bias and chuck them in this box. And then one day you might want to make a tank that's got bias facing and you don't have enough fabric for that and then you've just got these extra bias that you can just pull out 
Why haven't I ever thought of that? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you end up with all these triangles. Yeah, after great cutting. idea. I love it. I'm going to have a bias box now. Yeah, well, you've got a bias tape mill. I know, I know. I should just be whizzing them through. Yeah. I just sort of iron them in half and just chuck them in the box. Yeah, and then, great idea. And then they're saved for a rainy day. And actually, because I made this out of the leopard print, I thought, well, that's going to be a really cool binding to be that would be amazing. Hidden inside something. Yeah, that would be really good. You could even use it on like a hem or something like that yeah, as well. Or like piping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so many things you can do with the scraps. You don't have to throw them away. No. I said it was deceptively simple because it looks simple, but there are quite a few tricky bits. The bias is one, but there's also some other little things that we haven't covered on the podcast before. We haven't done anything with buttonholes. And don't be scared of buttonholes because really they're just two lines of zigzag with a bigger zigzag at the top and the bottom. And for this particular garment, it's not on your chest with actual buttons in it. And I feel like you can get into more trouble with buttonholes that way. You're not trying to line a buttonhole up with a button as yes. well in a long line. Um, and also I, my top tip for buttonholes would be actually spend some time getting to know your machine and mm. the order in which it actually throws out a buttonhole because they're all slightly different. You know, get some scrap, make sure it's a few layers thick and then you can program the length and everything usually on most machines if you've got a fairly, you know, a newer machine. But yeah, definitely spend some time doing that before you start doing the, the buttonhole on the main garment because mm-hmm. you need to know where it's going to start and where it's going to finish so you can line up two buttonholes. And you also need a really good accurate marking tool to know where your needle needs to start exactly. And then you just really can't go wrong, can you, Kylie? That's right. And I think that it's this is a button these are buttonholes on your waist. They're not very visible. No. And I think if you really didn't know how to do a buttonhole, you could actually probably just sew two rectangles twice and yes. cut a hole and it'd probably do the same thing or you could use eyelets. Um, so many options because it's not actually holding anything together no, here. No, it's just creating it's just a for a drawstring to go through. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say threading the elastic through is a little bit fiddly to begin with. You've not done that through a channel, you know, it mm-hmm. just takes a little bit of time. It's not impossible, but just, you know, just take your time to do it and make sure you, you'll get into a bit of a rhythm the more you do it. Yeah, and, um, and the top stitching of the elastic. Yes, because it's really easy to over-pull, mm. I think, and then get the gathers for on the on the waistband pulling one way or the other way so it's yes. yeah just sort of try and get I guess an even amount of pull each time with the elastic would you say Kylie? Yeah I, I usually do the quadrant method where yes. I put four pins one in the front centre back centre and the two side seams and then you're basically just pulling between the pins and in terms of the elastic I think that I've had a couple of fails with this in the past where I've used elastic that isn't great Mm. quality. Sometimes with elastic you need to give it a bit of a stretch and wake up the rubber or Mm. elastic, whatever's in there, and then try the elastic on your waist. And because we're top stitching it, that's going to loosen the elastic just a little bit. So you can go like a little bit tighter than you'd want it to end up. And then when you go to top stitch it, you can confidently pull it And the other tip for that is when you finish doing that, you can use your iron with steam and steam that waistband and it kind of comes back together. And it 
fabric again changes this if you've got thicker fabric it's going to stretch out more and if you were making a garment that didn't have a waist tie you'd have to get that exactly right the good thing about this is if you don't get it perfect you've got the waist tie to pull it in yeah and I would say before you do your, your quadrant method it's worth just taking a really good look at it and making sure that the gathers of the waistband are fairly evenly distributed oh, from yes. front to back as well just kind of you know run them along your finger make sure that they look kind of where they should be before you start putting the pins in and sewing because once once you do that you're kind of setting it mm. exactly as it's going to be True. when it's finished well and it is up to you because you might want less volume in the front and more volume in the back so this you can true. distribute the gathers more As you to want. the back yeah that's a good idea actually yeah um so which fabric did you use Kylie I made two and that was because I really wanted to show that fabric makes a big difference with like all garments but specifically this I made the first one out of a linen and then I made the second one in a blend which is all the fun fabrics. I think it's a viscose, cupro, nylon, fraying. (laughs) Nightmare. Slippery. (laughs) It's slippery and grippy. Okay. And frays. Got it all going on. (laughs) And, yeah, it was a fun time. So how did you do with the fraying? Just forged on. (laughs) Just... Have you ever used like, you know, fray stopper or equivalent to try and stop that? I know it can make it a little bit. Yeah, it kind of makes it like glue. It's Hard. kind of like glue, yeah. yeah. I just knew that I just had to get those. Get it made. Get it made, right? Like the more you handle fabrics that fray, the more it frays. So you've yep. got to get it sewn and get it all enclosed and then yep. it's fine. I have overlocked like like a wool with a really sort of like open weave or whatever. I've overlocked around those. But I think for something like that fabric, like you say, you just got to get on and get it made. Have you ever used that overlocker French seam method? No. Tell me more. (laughs) Okay. So it would have been a good idea to do it with this because it was fraying, but I I wasn't set up for it. You basically use your overlocker. You can usually do a three thread just so that it doesn't have so much like thread. So it's smaller. Yeah, smaller. And then you do the first pass with the wrong sides together with the overlocker and then yeah you simply just enclose those stitches when you turn it right sides together oh, okay great idea yeah that would have that would have been helpful it would have well. been great <laughs> <laughs> you know hindsight <laughs> there were it was a very different experience sewing one and then the other one and your beautiful black version, what's yeah, that mean? Yeah, I know, I know it's a bit of a boring colour, but it's it's what I know I'll wear and mm-hmm. I know it, it, it will be a real staple for me because I probably wear too much black. But it is a silk cotton voil, so it's quite lightweight. It's got a little bit of drape. It was actually really easy to sew mm. because it's got that cotton in it which just keeps it really stable and I did have some more fabric to make another one which I have to admit I haven't got around to yet which is su- it's a silk and it's super slippery and I and I think the reason I didn't get round to it is I knew it wasn't going to be the same experience that I had with the first one so I will get there but um not just yet yeah <laughs> I need to you know gear myself up for it because uh, yeah there may be some swearing <laughs> <laughs> and and I think you made the full length did you and I did And what size? Um, I made the size 10 and I graded out. I was between the 10 and the 12, so I graded out at the waist to the 12, which I didn't really need to, but I wanted it to just be a comfortable wear and not feel too tight on the waist. If I was making a more, um, you know, evening, uh, special occasion version, I'd probably try and get that fit. 
I probably would want to take in a tiny amount on my hips, which I guess is the downside of French seams because once they're sewn, the idea of unpicking those is, you know, you'd have to be really bad. And I think it's okay. <laughs> but, yeah, I guess as my first one, I'd, I just would tweak that slightly. I think you might be able to just size down to a size 8 because the fabric, it gives you more width where you yeah. need and it gives you length where you need. It, it just – it's the kind of thing that you – just looking at this skirt, you might go, oh, yeah, it's, a, it's okay, it's a skirt. But when you make this and you put it on, you go, oh, yeah. that's nice. It and feels nice. That comes back to the bias because it's got that stretch, which is right. I probably didn't need it, but I just wanted it to be comfy, you know. So, yeah, next one I might size down slightly. What size did you make? Uh, I made a, I made this size six. I'd, only, I'd previously made it. Um, last year and I picked that size and it just worked. So I'm just going to stick with that one. Makes sense. Yeah. And I made the midi length for the the leopard print one, but the linen one I didn't quite have enough. So I had to shorten the skirt because, you know, if you're in the process of cutting yours, you'll understand that, uh, you know, sometimes you might not have enough fabric because the fabric's not as wide or whatever. And I had to shorten it. Now there aren't instructions in the pattern for shortening it, um, but I did it with a compass you know, like a, a school compass that has the pencil on one end and the spike on the other. And then you just set however much you want to shorten it and drag the compass along the pattern piece and then you get the perfect curve. Perfect. Yeah. Great idea. And how did you hem yours? My leopard print one has a baby hem in which I use the method in the pattern and that is to, well, first of all, you have to let it hang. Yes, very important. <laughs> don't skip the hanging part. Like if you made this and you just hemmed it straight away, as you wear it over time, it will just end up probably having a bit of a wavy hem, which, you know, it looks fine. But if you want it to have um, a straight hem, you need to let it hang and then you might need to actually recut the hem. And it's a good idea to try it on because mine, somehow, the back is longer than the front and when it's hanging on the hanger, but when I put it on my body, it actually looks fine so I didn't have to change the back and the front so that's something to keep in mind but yeah a baby hem doing the no tool method which is just folding it at half an inch sewing it trimming it and then folding it and sewing it again that's the easiest method that I had but I know you have an even better method well I like that method to be honest and I have used it a lot but I decided that I was going to do the band roll hemming mm, method tell me more um so basically what you do is you take band roll which is really a waistband interfacing but a very firm one and it's got like strands in it and you pull out strands maybe three four depending on how wide you want the hem to be and you're left with effectively what looks like a comb in the side of the interfacing. And then you sew in the comb by lining it up with the raw edge of the hem on the right side of the fabric. So it's effectively attached to the garment. And then you turn it round to the inside and you sew it again through the comb. And you wrap it around really neatly. And then you just gently pull out. And this works really well with those slippy, slidey fabrics mm -hmm. because it just pulls out really easily. Um, and you should be left with a really nice um, baby hem. But I have done a video showing how to use the band roll if anybody is interested. I'm very interested in um, testing that method out with another garment because it seems like it holds it nice and firm, like you've got something to rest upon and 
it gives you a really lovely finish. Yeah, it works really well as a guide as well. So where'd you get the band roll from? We actually sell it at Sewing Gem, Kylie. So um, we've just had a restock of band rolls. So yeah, we sell it by the metre. And it's a good little thing to have in your sewing box. So can you reuse it then? Yeah, I reuse mine. I've rolled mine up and I've reused it over and over again. There probably does come a time where you need to replace it. but Can you just trim it? Uh, and then yeah. Sp- like with a rotary, like a ruler? You could, and, and you can you- use both sides as well. Oh. Like, so don't, you know, once one side starts to wear out, you just pull out the, the teeth or the, sorry, the strands to create mm. teeth or a comb in the other side. So it's got quite a lot of life in it. I, I love sewing tools. Anything yeah. that makes things <laughs> a little bit easier, those tricky parts. And hemming um, slippery fabrics on the bias is has got to be one of those tricky things. Yeah. And um, anything that helps. Yeah. So which label did you use in your skirts? In the leopard print one, which is the most funnest one, let's just <laughs> say, it, 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 it tested my patience and my skills. I actually, oh, I don't know if I can, oh, yes, I can say what label it is because by the time this episode is aired, it will be released. And it is, it's a sweary one from our new sweary sewist collection. And it says, this was a glorious shit show. (laughs) Sums it up well by the sounds of things. (laughs) Yes, it was a lot of fun and it was stressful and I was fretting a lot of the time but then in the end it was awesome it came good yeah um and I used capsule collection because I thought you know solid black skirt I'm gonna wear this time and time again this is a perfect label so that was the one I was going to put Uh. in my skirt (laughs) that was the plan and then once I cut it and started sewing it I thought no this needs some kind of so what's in the linen one? Oh, the linen one. You know what the linen one I actually wanted to make this more casual denim type and I was inspired by cut-off jeans where they have like the frayed edges and so for my waistband instead of it being turned under and stitched it's actually not turned under cool. and then I stitched it in place and I frayed <sighs> the edge of wow. the outer waistband so that it looks a bit more casual and I'm hoping that over time it'll get like more frayed frayed and more kind of messy and then I attempted to do the hem the same and it was a bit more difficult to do. I think it was just because of the weave in the linen. If it was just a straight woven I think it would have worked a lot better and I've seen other people doing the frayed linen hem and it looks really cool like it's got that kind of beachy natural look. Yeah it would look awesome. Now, the pattern does not have pockets and I personally would not want to add pockets to this. Uh, I think it's perfect without, but I've seen some people adding them. I think that's fine, but I don't think it like necessary. I don't think it's necessary. I think the, I said that the highlight, if you like, of this skirt is the fact that it kind of skims over, over the hips and it, mm. it, it, you know, it just falls really nicely. And I think pockets, things in pockets are going to take away from that, definitely. And if you're making it out of a very slinky fabric as well, then definitely no pockets. Yeah, definitely no pockets on, on the slinky fabric. Leave your phone at home. Yes. Get, a, get a nice handbag. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely a pocket-free yeah. feel, having the fabric just draping over I mean, your... I guess it's per, it is down to personal preference, but yeah, yeah I agree with you on that.
we have a lot of love for this pattern, but let's rate on size inclusivity. So I think there's a pretty good size range yes. for this pattern. Perhaps it could go a little bit bigger, but it's pretty good. I think it's a six to a 24. Yep. So I think a, a three out of five. Yep. Happy with that. And price. Well, it's really reasonably priced. Yes. It's it's fifteen dollars AUD. Right. So very reasonable. Um, so out of three dollar signs, we give it a one dollar sign. Yeah, very reasonable. And what about the drafting, Kylie? Well, the drafting is excellent. Everything goes together well, and it is a winner for me. Five out of five. Yeah. Yeah. And instructions. Well, the pattern itself has a very detailed instructions in the included booklet, but then you've also got the added video resources on YouTube. So even without that, we would have given it a high score. But with that, and now the podcast, like you've got all all the resources here. Yeah, everything's covered. So we're going to give that a five. And what about the difficulty? Okay, so we want to be careful not to over or understate the difficulty of the pattern because it does have lots of technical abilities necessary. Uh, but if you're using a linen fabric, I think we could rate that like a two on the difficulty scale and that is going to slide up or down depending on the fabric that you choose. What would you rate the difficulty level as with the one that was more challenging for you, Kylie? I think that I would rate that a four because the sewing construction is the same. Like we're, we're rating based on, you know, the difficulty of the pattern, but it just, it just made, it just upped the difficulty. It was, everything was the same construction, of course. It was just the fabric wasn't playing ball. Did you have to unpick a lot? No. No, that's good. It was a matter of sew it and get those seams enclosed because they were so frayed. Yeah. So overall, what do we give the pattern? Well, we really love the pattern and we think that it is worth five, five sewing club, club stamps. stamps. Meaning it's a winner. It's we, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we love it. There's really, there's nothing that we didn't love about it. We love everything yeah. about it. And Go it make really one. is something. <laughs> is <the> that, yeah. <laughs> we really hope that everyone yeah. um, that sews this enjoys it as, as much as we yeah. did, yeah. and gets to experience the feeling yeah. of wearing the skirt and having something so simple with no darts yeah. or any shaping just mold to your natural figure. Yeah. And be super comfy. And if you are in a country where it's absolutely freezing right now and you're looking at it going, you know, I can't wear that right now, um, just think of it as, you know, a summer sewing project. Definitely mm. one you want to make though. Hey, Sally. Hello. What you got for us next episode? Okay. This is a fun one. From Gracie Steele. Kylie and Jem are reviewing the titillating tank pattern. <laughs> We're pretty excited. <laughs> That's a fun one to say. I enjoyed that one. Titillating Maybe a little tank. bit too much. It will be titillating, I'm sure. <laughs> Lots of t -t 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 -t. <laughs> So if you would like to head on over to Gracie Steele and she's kindly given everyone a 25% discount. So use the code Sewing Club Podcast when you're checking out. 25% off, how good. Yeah, that's amazing. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to making this pattern because 
I just have to say it's such a great wardrobe basic. Mm. Like, you know, those kind of stretch tops. It's the sort of thing that I literally live in, so I cannot wait to make this. It is the first knit garment that we've reviewed. It is. It is. So that's going to be, um, yeah, pretty pretty cool to do. And hopefully we can give our listeners some tips and things on uh, sewing with uh, stretch fabrics. And do you need, like, is it essential to have an overlocker for this? No. Well, we'll, we'll delve into that, I reckon. Yeah. I think that... It's not. I think it's not. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, you can get um, stretch threads for normal sewing machines. So mm-hmm. that's definitely something to, to look into. Yeah. Which we happen to sell at Sewing Gem if anybody needs any. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. Is there any other tools? Tools that, that will would need. be helpful for the titillating tank. If you have a walking foot, okay. If you have an overlocker, you've got an overlocker. If you don't, you could use a walking foot and. Actually get the manual of your sewing machine out and have a look at all the different stitches. You probably don't use them all, but there might be some stitches in there that, that do different functions that you didn't even realise. Yeah, and and t- get the fabric that you're going to use, as I said before, test it out, test the stitching. If you don't have an overlocker, I would definitely recommend getting, um, you know, a stretch needle in your machine and um, some thread that's actually going to stretch I really like a rotary cutter for stretching knit fabric. So mm-hmm. it depends on your preference, but that's something you might want to look at using. Yeah. And a very, it's a dress and a tank, it but is. we are going to be making the tank because we want to wear it with our bias We do. And we're going to make slightly different versions, aren't we? So we can yes. talk about the two different construction methods as that's well. That's right. So next episode, titillating yeah. tank. Can't wait. I love to say that. <laughs> So thanks so much for listening, everyone. We would love it if you could join our Facebook group, the Sewing Club podcast community, where we can share our makes and tips and tricks along the way. And we have an Instagram as well, which is sewingclub.podcast. We have feedback forms uh, attached to that. You can see our garments in the wild. We post videos there and we love hearing all the feedback. So keep it coming. We'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, review the podcast, all of that helps to get this podcast to as many people as possible till next time till next time hello are you still here guys (laughs) are you still listening well there's a little bit more thanks for hanging on to the very end we we thought it would be quite fun just to start with something a bit fun. So I'm going to ask you a few quick fire questions. So a few are sewing related, a few are just, you know, random things. So I'm going to ask you this or that, and you can tell me which you prefer. Okay. <laughs> Early bird or night owl? Oh, definitely a night owl. <laughs> <laughs> Brisbane or Adelaide? Oh, that is so hard. (laughs) I love both at the moment. It's Adelaide because that's where I'm in, where I am. And I'm very satisfied and happy here at the moment. But I do, I feel like my heart is in both places. (laughs) Oh, that's a good answer. Uh, Beach or hinterland? It used to be beach, but I think it's more hinterland at the moment. Tim Tams or lamingtons? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I like both. I would go with. Tim Tams though. Yeah, good good choice. <laughs> and last one, do you like to put your pins horizontal or perpendicular? <laughs> um, I would probably say I mostly put them perpendicular. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, me too. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>